Well, church, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Um, it has been, it's been a good week. I, I, this whole series, I have looked forward to our weekends together. Um, right off the bat, I want to frame our time together like this. There's a difference, and I think you're going to know what I mean, in knowing something and in knowing something. There's a difference in knowing maybe about something and really knowing and, and feeling it. Here, let me give you a couple examples. Uh, think of the Grand Canyon. How many have been to the Grand Canyon? Man, I'm jealous. It's like all of our church, but me. Um, it, it's possible for you to know about the Grand Canyon, for you to hear stories about how beautiful it is, how big it is, to see pictures, to see videos. You can know about the Grand Canyon, but that's not the same as knowing it. Stepping out, what I can only imagine, you guys know this, is, is stepping out close to the edge and feeling just how overwhelmingly large and beautiful it is. It's more than just knowing about it. It's feeling it. It's knowing it. You feel it. You, you smell the air. There's a difference in, in knowing about it and knowing it. Here's another example. We all kind of somewhat in various ways know about world poverty. Like we know that in certain places that there are, there are even children who, who don't have what they need to eat, who are, who are living on streets, who are, we know, about, we've seen the pictures and they're heartbreaking. We've seen the videos maybe, they're heartbreaking. We know about it, but that's not the same. You can know about it as much as you want, but when you are actually there and you see it, you don't have a category for that. There's a difference in knowing about it than knowing it and seeing the child or seeing the situation. It's a difference between knowing about it, being aware of it, and then knowing it, being affected by it and truly impacted by it. Up to this point, we have talked about in Ephesians the mystery of Christ. We've talked about it. We've defined it. We've talked about what it is. We've talked about certain things about it. This morning, what, the reason I start like this, he says, my hope, my prayer for us this morning is that it's no longer knowing about it, but that this morning turns the corner and we know it, that we feel it. Um, this, what we're going to look at is, is Paul's prayer. So we're going to read a prayer by Paul that he is praying for this church that they can know it. And that's, that's what my, my hope is I have loved our time through this series. Um, I've loved it. We're going to finish out, as, as Dan read, the end of chapter 3. So we're going to start in verse 14. We're going to go through the end of chapter 3. Now, the prayer that we're going to read is one of the most quoted in our Bibles. So chances are it'll be somewhat familiar or certain parts of it. It's one of the most quoted prayers. It's one of the most beautiful prayers that we have in our Bible. We're going to look at it this morning. Before we do, can we just pause and let me pray for us? God, we stop because we know that if we are to truly know the mystery of your gospel, that it's going to be because you open our eyes to see it. And so in these moments, I just pray that you open our hearts and our eyes to your word, what you would have to say uh, through your word. And as we do, that we can just get a glimpse 
of your good news and your, your beautiful gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I had a, a professor when I was in seminary. Uh, this man was a brilliant man. I mean, they all kind of are, but this man was a really, really brilliant man. He was a Hebrew scholar, a Jewish scholar, and so he, he just knew his stuff. He was the most intimidating man I have ever come across in my life. But I remember in one of his classes, we were, we were, he was sharing with us uh, Jewish customs, and he was talking through this, and I remember something he said that just stuck out with me, and this text made me remember it. Um, he said, Jews do not kneel, that, that Jews pray standing up. And I remember thinking, that's strange. And, and he said, if you ever go to the Wailing Wall, how many have been to the Wailing Wall? I have got to travel more. Um, if you ever go to the Wailing Wall, what you'll notice, you won't notice a lot of people kneeling. The Jewish men are not kneeling at the wall. They are standing at the wall, and they are, and they are praying. Um, he said, you will not see, typically, Jewish men kneeling in prayer. He said, but if you do, if you see a Jewish man on his knees praying, this should instantly tell you something. He is absolutely desperate. He is desperate for God to intervene because this is not typical. If you see a Jewish man kneeling, it is a desperate man who is reliant on God to intervene. He's beyond himself. Well, our text this morning starts with a Jewish man kneeling. Uh, if you look in, in verse 14 of chapter 3, it says this, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So he is bowing before the, the Father, desperate for the Father, completely reliant on the Father to intervene. And let's just set the stage even more before we get into his prayer. He's bowing to the Father who is what? Who is the Father of all nations, all peoples, all families of the earth, which remember, just context, is huge. It's huge because remember what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, that the mystery of Christ is that we are all fellow heirs, that we're all members of the same body, that we're all partakers of the promise of Christ. So now all people, because of Christ, there's no separation between Jew, Gentile, that that dividing wall is, is gone through Jesus Christ. And now the gospel is multicolored, multiracial, from all people, from all nations, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, that that's the gospel. And Paul says here, I'm kneeling before the Father, the one after whom all families of this earth are, are named. And again, this is just that posture of being desperate on behalf of this church, completely desperate. Um, this is the second time in this short, what is it? One, okay, two pages in my Bible. This is the second time that Paul has prayed for this church. The first was in chapter one. We have this one for us in this chapter. And there are three things that I think we need to see from this prayer. Three things for us that are going to be powerful for us to look at. Three things that made Paul so desperate. And we're going to look at these three things together that made him literally and figuratively on his knees before God praying. And I think there are three things we need to see. So let's look at this prayer together. Let's look in verse 16. Verse 16 says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So here's the first element of this prayer. There's 
a prayer for strength. A prayer for, for strength. Um, Paul is praying here that they may be strengthened with power through, through his spirit through, in their inner being. Um, let me ask you a weird question. Have, have you been recently to like a Barnes and Nobles or a bookstore? Have you ever walked through the self-help section of a Barnes and Nobles or just a bookstore? As you walk through um, something I noticed, there are hundreds, by the way, and hundreds of methods that we can improve ourselves by all of them claiming to be 100% true, claiming that if you do this, you're going to find happiness, fulfillment, completion in your life, strength in your life if you just do this. And you could spend your entire life, like every week, trying a different method. You'd still have some left over. There's just tons of ways that, that this world tells us that we can improve our, ourselves. So one thing that we can see from this, though, just stepping back, is our culture's need to, they feel broken, and there's this need in our culture to try to fix ourselves. That's why that section exists in, in those bookstores. There's, there's this need in our culture that, that if we do this, if we try this, if we change this, that we'll find happiness, peace, strength, completion, all of those things, that we're gonna find that if we, if we just do these certain things. It, it's... Um, it's a driving factor in our culture. And you can boil all of these methods as you walk down the aisle into two things, okay? On this side, you have the way to personal happiness is found in yourself. You look in, you find it in yourself. The strength is in you. You have a warrior inside, right? The strength is in you. You are tough and you just need to tap into the inner warrior in yourself to find that strength that you need. So you have look in, or the way to personal happiness and strength is, is found in, in changing some of the externals in your life, changing up some of the things that the circumstances around you. So either the solution is in you or the solution is kind of around you, if you will. So in you or around you. The gospel says no. The gospel says no. No to the first part that the solution is not found in you. And no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard you know, how much you know yourself, no matter how hard you meditate on it, it's not going to be found in you because apart from Christ, there is nothing in yourself that will provide you with meaning or happiness that is lasting. The gospel says no. And some of us, we can attest to this because we've tried this. We have, we have tried this. Uh, you've, um, you've looked within yourself for, for answers. You looked within yourself for, for strength, maybe, in tough times. You, you, you look within yourself, and you know that this is true because you know it wasn't found there. The gospel also says no to the second thing, that, that it's found when you simply change externals around you. And, and some of us, no, no matter what you change, by the way, your house, your job, your car, your relationships, your job, whatever it may be, none of those things can provide for you the meaning, the happiness, the health, the strength that you're searching for. And I don't want you to hear me wrong. There are times when we are in toxic situations and we need to get out of them. I'm not saying that. There are times when you're in a toxic situation and you do need to pull yourself out of it. 
But hear me, changing externals will not get for you the peace and the happiness, the joy, the strength that you, that you are looking for. And some of us, again, know exactly what I mean because you've gotten the job. Maybe you got the house or the car or the girl or the whatever. You've gotten it. You've arrived, but yet this didn't complete me. This, this wasn't what I thought. Um, the gospel says no. It's not found within you. It's not found in changing externals around you. It is found in Christ alone. It is found in Christ alone who changes you from the inside out. And this is why Paul prays that because he is so desperate here in our, in our text that, that they may be strengthened with power through his spirit in their inner being so they can see this. So they can see this. Paul is praying that he would provide his strength through the spirit, that they would be strengthened from the inside out. And why? Well, if we look at our text, it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that he would provide the strength, that God would provide the strength through his spirit for you to see Christ and that Christ would dwell in us. That you're not going to find what you're looking for by looking in, by looking inside of yourself. You're not going to find yourself or find what you're looking for looking around, looking at all the externals that surround us. You're only going to find it when you look up to God. And through the spirit that you truly know and see Christ. That's why he starts there. So the first thing we see is a prayer for strength. Second thing we see is a prayer for understanding. Uh, verse 17, the second half of verse, of verse 17, it says, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth the breadth, length, height, depth, these are all terms of measurements. What's the point here? That Christ is beyond our units of measurement. That he is immeasurable. And Paul prays here that we would have the strength to comprehend, the strength to understand along with all the saints, that which is just un immeasurable. That we would have the strength through Christ to see it. Uh, last week, we, we talked about the mystery of Christ, and Paul talks about this mystery we can't know on our own. Paul says that he can't know the mystery on his own. It's only known to him because God has made it known to him that this is what Paul now is praying for this, this church, um, that they would see the mystery of Christ. And what is the mystery? We, we remember as we talked in verse six, it's that, that we would see that we are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise. That's in verse six. That that is the mystery and that the, the spirit opens our eyes supernaturally for us to see it. That is in Christ, we are united. That is, in Christ, we have access to the Father. That is, in Christ, you have a place. You have an identity. You have a purpose in Christ. And Paul is praying, God, would you open their eyes to see your son in a way that they can't open their own eyes? Would you open their eyes to see your son? What a beautiful prayer. A prayer that I believe we should pray often. Parents, for your kids. What a beautiful prayer to, to pray often. Um, but God, I mean, Paul also puts a qualifier on this a little bit. He says, being rooted and grounded in love. Paul says that all knowledge and understanding should be rooted and grounded in love. Now, one of the first weeks that we were in this series, we talked about 
a text in, in Revelation 2. For those of you who, who were here, for those of you who weren't here actually, um, Revelation 2, Jesus is giving what we call a progress report to several churches. Okay, he's looking at these churches and he's saying, you did this well, you did that well, but wow, you missed it here. Right? He's giving a progress report to churches. It just so happens that the church that he deals with in Revelation 2 is the church in Ephesus, the church that Paul writes to. And Jesus gives us a progress report of this church. And if you don't remember it, it's, it's incredible. In, in Revelation 2, he says, you've been patient. Talks about how hard they've worked, that they've tested what is true, that they know the truth so much that they can even refute false teachers. This, this church has it up here. Has it up here. Verse 4, though. But I have this against you. Jesus said that. But I have this against you. That you have abandoned the love you had at first. You've abandoned the love you had at first. You've abandoned your first love. So in other words, this church had the knowledge of the truth, but they weren't rooted and grounded in love. Like Paul just prayed for them that they would be. That they weren't rooted, that they weren't grounded in love. So along with their comprehension of the truth, there's this, Paul's prayer is that they wouldn't lose sight of the love. The thing that started them, their first love, that they wouldn't lose sight, that they would not sever that root. And if I'm being completely honest, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but I think here in our church and we have Ephesian-like tendencies. And here's what I mean by that. Um, we, we love growing in our knowledge. We love coming and learning more and, and seeing more things, right? We, we love that. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Um, Jesus commends this church in Ephesus for doing just that. There's nothing wrong with that. But we love that, and we tend to go that way. Church, let's not lose our first love. Let's not lose our first love. Paul now is praying that as our knowledge about Christ grows, as our knowledge grows in Christ, that, that our affections for Christ grow as well, that, that our joy in Christ grows as well, that it doesn't stop, come in here, stop here, but that it goes down to the heart and that we, we know Christ instead of just knowing about Christ. That he would open our eyes. And Paul continues this prayer. Let's look in verse 19. Um, that they know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. The love of Christ. The love that Christ has for you is beyond our ability to even comprehend. And Paul says he's praying for them to, to see that. We don't even have a category for that kind of love, but Paul is praying that, that our eyes be open to that. And if you're here and you're wondering, I mean, just bring this home. If you're wondering, does anyone here care about me? Am I loved at all? Paul says, I pray that their eyes are open to see that the love of God is beyond anything that they could even think about or imagine, that it's, that it's bigger that the love that Christ has for you is beyond your ability to even fully grasp. And you have to see the word play here as you look at this text. Um, help them know the unknowables, basically what he's, what he's praying. Help them comprehend what is incomprehensible. 
There's a word play here because it's not natural, but it's something that the Spirit does. And what a prayer for us to pray for our church. What a, what a prayer for us to pray, parents, for our children again, that they would know What a prayer for us to pray for ourselves. What a prayer for us to pray for those in our life that don't yet know Jesus. Honestly, what a prayer for us to pray for our enemies, that their eyes would be opened to the love that God has. It's what a prayer. Um, Help them get a glimpse of your immeasurable love for them. Let's look, let's continue. Um, in, in 19, he prays the third part of this prayer is a prayer for fullness. This one really hits home. He says that they may be filled with, with all the fullness of God. Um, we look for so many things to, to fill us. Let's just do an honest inventory of ourselves. Um, we try to fill our lives with, with things, possession, possessions, or money. Um, as though money and possessions can indeed fill us. And we know they can't, but we try. Uh, we try to fill ourselves with relationships. That there's going to be that person that can complete me. Knowing we know that that is a myth. Uh, trying to fill ourselves, listen, with religion. That if I just do these things, if I just keep doing these things, that, that I'm going to find my work, my way to fulfillment. And it never, it never works. Um, we, we try to fill our lives, I, this one hits me, with busyness. With busyness, as though if we just distract ourselves for long enough, we won't realize that we are empty. We won't realize, we'll stop noticing our, our emptiness. We try to fill ourselves with, with um, hobbies or pleasures of all kinds, as, as though... <laughs> as though those things are going to somehow last. They never do. They, they never do. So, some of us have, have tried to fill ourselves with, with things like alcohol, food addictions, gluttony, um, sins like pornography that are just, they got us, and we've tried to fill our lives with these things as a way to find fullness, and they never work, and we, we, know, they, we know they won't work, but... We do them anyway, and we go back to them. Uh, we try to fill ourselves with, ult- with so many things, and, and none of these things are satisfying. Think of it like this. It's like we're a thirsty, dying man on a life raft in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Following me? So you are thirsty. You're, you're, you're sprawled out, castaway style, on this, on this raft in the middle of the Pacific the one thing that you need more than anything else is water. That's what you need. It's liter- you're literally dying for it. And you are literally surrounded by it. It is all around you. And, and, and it is the one, the one thing that you need. But you know this. If you were to take a drink of that water... It may satisfy for just a moment, but that salt will dehydrate you quicker. It will, it will dehydrate you. You will, the more you drink, the quicker you will die. We're like that man. It, it's, 
you, you, you need to satisfy your thirst. You're surrounded with things that look like it will satisfy your thirst, but the moment you taste of those things, it dehydrates you quicker. Does that make sense? That's kind of what this is like, that we are like that man surrounded by salt water in need of a drink. And here Paul is praying for this church that they would know the pure water. That they would know the pure water, be filled with the, the pure water, be filled with the fullness of God in Christ. That they would be filled. And again, what a beautiful prayer to pray for us, for each other, for our church. What a beautiful prayer for us to be praying. Um, again, what a beautiful prayer, parents, for us to be praying for our kids. Your, your little ones, your grown ones, the ones that aren't even in your home, that they would be filled with fresh water and not enticed by the salt water that's all around them. Um, what a prayer to pray for our church, that we would collectively fix our eyes on Christ and not be enticed by all of the, the water that is around us. What a prayer, what a beautiful prayer. Paul prays for strength, for understanding, and for fulfillment. Um, and and the, let me put it like this. The, the good news of the gospel is, is not something we just know about. It's not like a subject that we study in school. It's not like a, a math equation that we analyze, right? It's not like that. The, the good news of the gospel is something that we truly know, that we truly experience, that we feel that impacts us, and that's the heart of Paul's prayer. Not just that they would know about the mystery of Christ, but that they would truly know the mystery of Christ, that they taste it, comprehend it, that they're strengthened by it, that they're fulfilled by it. That is, that is Paul's prayer. Um, he's going to finish his prayer. Let's, let's finish it out. Verse 20, it says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. It's a beautiful, beautiful prayer. Um, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can even ask or think, which begs a question before we go any further. Are your thoughts about God too small? As we look at this verse, are your thoughts about God a little bit too small? Are your thoughts about God um, that you have this God picture that fits perfectly into this little box in your life? Um, is he too small to really be able to care for you intimately? Um, is, is your God, does this make your prayers puny? Because if our God is small, we're surely not going to pray big prayers to a small God. Um, how are your thoughts about God? And how does it affect, does it make your prayers too safe, too small? Or, church, are our thoughts about God huge? Huge, lofty. Um, do you believe he's, he's big enough to not only create the world, sustain the world, but also know you intimately? Um, are, does this cause you to pray huge prayers, like big prayers, game changer prayers? How are your thoughts about God? Uh, if you think about it, our God is able to do more than we even c 
can ask or imagine. Like that is such a, do you, gra- I can imagine a lot. Our God is, is, is big. It's like, um, I was thinking about, it. it's like we were invited to an all-you-can-eat buffet. And on the way in, we got, we're just at the counter pounding back breath mints. Right? We're just pounding them back and we're enjoying these things. And all the time it's like, go in. Go in. It's so much bigger and beyond what, I mean, those breath mints, the chocolate ones are good at least, but that's nothing like what's inside. And that's kind of what we are doing, that, that, that our thoughts about God are often like breath mints and there's a wonderful buffet if we would just go and see it. And, and I want to make one clarification. I am not proposing like this name it, claim it kind of thing where, where our God is going to do what we say and, and come through exactly where we need him to come. Jesus is not and will not ever be the means to something else. Like, hear me. He's not our means to something else. He's not like our ticket to health and wealth. That's not what Jesus is. It's never what he, what he is. Here's what I'm saying though. Do you realize how big and beautiful and incredible and spectacular and amazing our God is? That's the question. Are your thoughts about God puny or are they huge? Because our God is able to do more than we can even imagine. He doesn't fit into our, into our box. Um, our God is able to do all things. And that same power, by the way, as we've read, um, that same power is not just, you know, theoretical, but, but Paul says that power is at work within us. It's not our power, but wow, that power of God, that big God is at work within us. The power of our big God at work in us for the glory, the fame of God through the church for Christ. Um, as we talked about last week, that, that God has this big plan to showcase his good news to the whole world and the way that he chooses to do it is through his church. The way that he chooses to make himself known is through us, through his, through his church that we are the plan and our God is able to do abundantly more than we can ask or think. It's a beautiful, beautiful, spectacular prayer. Um, and I want us to end, do something a little bit different for this to end our time together. I don't say this often. I don't know what I did with mine. If you have a phone, go ahead and grab it. Take it out. All of us. I, I, I don't think I've ever said this in a, in a message before. There will be no judgment. There's not going to be people looking around going, uh-huh, they already had it out. Look at them. Um, take out your phone. I seriously, ah, uh, nope. Well, you're just going to have to take my word for it. Um, so grab your phone right now. And um, I know there's a number of people that listen to this online. Like all the, by the way, all the people who serve us in our kids area, we need to thank them more often. But I know that so many of them, they, they listen to the messages online. And so for those who are listening, this is for you too. Uh, grab your phone, open up your calendar or your reminders or an alert or whatever you use during your week to remind you of something. Okay. Whatever that may be. Some of you are like, I don't have a smartphone. If that's you, I need to meet you. Um, for the majority of us though, 
Yeah, we see, we always have a, a couple, and I envy you at times. I really do. Um, but grab that app or whatever you use uh, that you remind yourself of, and here's the plan. We're going to have a prayer challenge for us this week. And here's the idea that everyone here, everyone listening at 7 p.m. every night this week, 7 p.m. every night this week, whatever you're doing, just, just stop and say this short prayer for, our, for us, for our church. That's it. So all we're going to do is simply pray this verse, pray this, this what Paul's prayer, pray it over our, our church. Make sense? So you set a reminder on your phone, um, an alert to every evening at 7 p.m. Every evening at 7 p.m. that it goes off, and when it does, it's a reminder to just pause and pray. Now, don't put your, way, your phones yet, okay? Don't put them away yet. Um, on the screen, so you can go ahead and put it up here. Um, we've taken this verse, and what we've done is we've broken it down, okay? We've, we've broken it down into phrases that we as a church can, can pray, just praying this verse over. So here's what I want you to do is switch from the reminder app, whatever you use, to a camera app and take a picture. You have permission. I promise you no one is judging. Um, no one is judging. If you can't see it, if you're too far back and it's too small, let me know. I will get it to you. In fact, I might even just email it to you. Um, and it'll be on our Facebook as well. Uh, so here's the idea. When it goes off at 7, so you're, you're finishing up dinner, you're doing dishes, it goes off. That's your reminder. Find somewhere where you can just take a moment and pray. With that phone, switch over to your pictures. You have the prayer there. And just pray with our church this this prayer. Here's the power of this. Um, we're not meeting in one location. We're not all coming together in one spot to pray. But church, as a church, we are all praying together at this time. And what better thing to pray than this beautiful prayer. So some of you here are guests and visitors with us. First of all, welcome. I love that you're here. Um, I want to invite you, I, if you don't consider us to be your home church, um, the way I think of it is you don't have to be a member of this church for God to hear your prayer about this church. So let me ask you something. Even if you're from out of town, you're not going to be here. This isn't your church. We'll forgive you for that. But, but I want to invite you to do it anyway. I am asking as the pastor here, we need this. And it's a way you can bless us. It's a way that you can really have an impact, really bless us as, as a church. And so I want to just invite you, even if you're from out of town, um, please, wherever you are, just, just remember, remember us and, and pray, for, pray for us, that we are united, that we're like Paul, that we're desperate for God. And uh, what I'd like to do is, is start this off now. Um, Dan, if you wouldn't mind coming up here. Uh, as Dan's coming up here, it, church, would you stand with me? Uh, and would you just, in this moment, just bow your heads, close your eyes with me. I, I, what I want us to do 
is to just kick this week off, this, this prayer challenge, with, with just praying this prayer together. And so would you join us, and, and Dan's going to lead us, and let's pray. We come to you, God, and we are desperate for you to answer. Through your grace, would you allow us to be strengthened by your Holy Spirit from the inside out? That through faith, Christ would come and dwell in our hearts. That we would be rooted and grounded in love. That you would give us the strength to see your immeasurable goodness in Christ. That you would give us the strength to see and experience the love of Christ that is beyond understanding. That you would fill us. We know that you are able to do far more than we can even ask or imagine. So we ask this according to your glory. Yours is the glory in the church through Christ forever. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.